0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to IS Podcast, ISV's show for schools and the wider community. I'm Shane Green. Today, Natalie Mutafis speaks with Australia's Women in STEM Ambassador, Professor Lisa Harvey Smith, about our increasingly technological world and how we can ensure that everyone is included in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM. But first, Mike Broadstock talks with ISV Chief Executive Michelle Green on how the choices parents are making for their children are changing the face of Australian education, and how the ISV poetry competition for students promises to take them on a journey of imagination.
1: The latest data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics and the media coverage that followed showed that the face of education is changing. More parents are choosing independent schools than ever. That's encouraging news, Michelle.
2: It's very encouraging, although not surprising for us because we've seen the demographic change in our schools very much over the last 10 to 15 years. So now about 160,000 students attend a Victorian independent school, which is an increase of about 4,500 on the previous year, which is 2.9% increase. But what's behind that are a whole lot of young people attending some very, very different schools and some schools in high growth areas, but also schools in regional Victoria. So the rate of growth for us is higher than in government and Catholic schools, which I think might surprise a few
1: people. That's even with a low population growth and the impact of the rising cost of living on family budgets as well.
2: Absolutely. So what it shows is that people are willing to make sacrifices to send their children to a school that meets their individual needs and that seems to be holding up despite the economic pressure that people find themselves under. So parents are valuing autonomy and flexibility of our schools and it's good to see that they continue to do so.
1: I think it's worth drilling down into the data though to see where the growth is occurring.
2: I think so. And it's important for governments, for policymakers, but also for schools to know the growth is strongest in lower fee schools, which serves families from the lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Close to 60,000 of our students come from families from low SES and close to half of our 230 independent schools charge fees of less than $7,500 a year. So, This is reflecting Australian society, mostly growth areas on Melbourne's fringe, lots of areas that are popular with young families, many of them who are migrants. Those migrants have a very strong commitment to the value of education and they know what a good education can provide. There are also people who want to put time into their child's education. So it's a double whammy. They are um, enrolling them in the schools that they feel comfortable with, but they're also supporting their students and our schools, which is wonderful. Children in our schools get opportunities to grow in an environment that matches their family values. And I think that's driven the growth.
1: So is it just a matter of the independent schools stepping up in those growth corridors, meeting the... need for education for families or is it meeting other needs, particular needs?
2: Yes, it's not just in the growth corridors. Australian society is changing and our figures show Islamic schools, for example, are maintaining their pattern of strong growth. They enrolled about a thousand new students last year. So now they educate close to about 16,000 young Victorians. And our older, well-established schools, by the way, continue to grow. Uh, Many of the inner city schools are close to physical capacity, which is limiting further growth.
1: What are we to make of these figures? The growth, where it's taking place and the backgrounds of the students that we're talking about?
2: It's always interesting to talk about independent schools because our schools are so diverse and they don't fit a stereotype. What we can see is there's a large and growing group of parents who aspire for an education that matches their families and their children. And these are people who are not high income earners, but they're willing to make a sacrifice to give their kids the best education that they can afford. And so it means that we're not outliers. It means that governments and education commentators now need to see that independent schools are not on the fringe of the education system, they are central to the Australian education system alongside government and Catholic schools we're ready to play an important role in preparing young Australians for the future because that's what we've been
1: doing. So, a change of pace, ISV's Student Poetry Competition is back in 2023.
2: Yes, and we always get very excited, or I always get very excited about the poetry competition. So we launched this four years ago and the competition has grown. It's bigger every year. Last year we got more than 500 entries from all school sectors. You don't have to attend an independent school to be part of the poetry competition. It's for everyone. Poetry's for everyone.
1: Yeah. So each year we have an optional theme for our young poets. Uh, So far we've had hope, joy, and belonging. This year it's journeys. What journeys?
2: Well, Ralph Waldo Emerson said life is a journey, it's not a destination. And we chose journeys because this has a potential to inspire student poets. A journey can be a physical journey, it can be a metaphorical journey. Winnie the Pooh said, Life is a journey to be experienced, not a problem to be solved. The adventures that we have, often on a journey toward our goals, they're more memorable and exciting than the goals themselves. Like a road trip. Like a road trip. We all love a road trip. And poetry on a road trip, fantastic. It's the things that you do along your journey. It's the things that you read. It's the people that you meet. It's the aspirations that you have. It reveals most about us. And so journeys for and poetry seem to us to be just a natural transition.
1: Joseph Campbell wrote about the hero's journey, not the hero's destination. That's right. Yeah. Last year, we added performance poetry to written poems as a competition category. What is performance poetry and how can students take part?
2: So performance poetry is what it sounds like. It's poetry that's written with the aim of performance. And we used to find this with young poets and with older poets who would stand and recite their poetry and their poetry would gain from that. It's a really great initiative. We had such an enthusiastic response, both from the poets themselves and everyone who watched their performances. And I could imagine when I was seeing these performances, many of them filmed on an iPhone, that families were having a whole different view of poetry during those videos than they had before. So students can make a video of themselves. They could get mum or dad to do it or sisters or brothers. They can speak or perform their words. Some of the performances have been startling and they bring such energy and conviction. So we say if students like music or catchy rhymes or hip-hop or rap This might be a great way of having your poetry performed by you and watched by us and by anyone else who's interested in the student poetry competition, and that's a lot of people.
1: We'll link to that in the show description. Thanks for joining us, Michelle.
2: Thank you, Mark.
0: Lisa Harvey-Smith is a Professor of Practice at the University of New South Wales, and has been Australia's Women in STEM Ambassador since 2018. She talks with Natalie Mutapas about the resources schools, teachers and families can use to encourage women and girls to participate in STEM, and why we need them to.
3: Welcome to IS Podcast, Lisa. Thank you so much, it's great to be with you.
4: So you are Australia's Women in STEM Ambassador. Can you give us a little kind of update of what that means to those that don't know?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, my background, by the way, is an astrophysicist, so I'm a, a research scientist. I worked at the CSIRO for 10 years and before that, across different countries researching how space works and and the universe, uh, how stars are born and how they die. But in 2018, the government became interested in trying to promote STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths, to a broader range of people because we have skill shortages in Australia. You know, we're we're an increasingly technological world and the economy and, and companies and businesses really rely on technology as we know in pretty much every field. So we need more experts in in ICT and computing, in engineering, in science, in in maths, so we can really support these challenges for the future. So the Women in STEM Ambassador is um, an Australian government initiative. So I've been in the role over four years to try and drive change so that we can include everyone in STEM and have a broad range of people lending their skills to the big challenges that we have in the world, like climate change and renewable energy and creating solutions for that. So that that's what I'm driving at in this role. When I first heard the word STEM years ago now, but I kind of went, oh, that's just
4: science and engineering. Like that's all it is. That's just two kind of industries, but it's so much more than that,
3: isn't it? it's absolutely everything i mean just look at just look at mining and resources nowadays like how um, how high tech all of that is a lot of a lot of mines and huge sites like that run remotely now we 've got robotics and we 've got drones and we 've got trains running automatically using ai we 've got all sorts of technology in farming and agriculture. space technology is actually helping us to run farms now and to prevent bushfires and and to help. Um, monitor climate change. And it's just everywhere, logistics, like how the food gets from distribution centers to the supermarket shelves, all of that is run through computers, through technology, through AI and mathematics. So pretty much any job you do, even a taxi driver now uses things like Uber and apps and it's high tech. So you pretty much can't get away with, with anything in this world without having a bit of technology and engineering and science knowledge. So, you know, everyone needs it and increasingly in the world there's going to be nowhere to hide.
4: So when I was looking at the women in STEM the Ambassador website, I was looking through that and then there's links there to the Girls in STEM Toolkit, which I think has been shortened to the GIST. Yeah. Um, So tell me a little bit more about that because when you go into that, there is just so much information on there and I know as a parent there's a lot there and for teachers and educators there's so many resources there that can be used with our kids in school who might have like even just an inkling of interest in these kind of careers and subjects to study.
3: Yeah, no, the GIST is a fantastic resource, the Girls in STEM t- Toolkit. Um, it's funded by the Australian government and it's um, it's created by Education Services Australia and it's just fantastic. It's for high school students so any kids you know, above about the age of 12 would really benefit from that. It shows a lot of role models and interesting stories about how real people got into STEM careers and, and showing that STEM careers isn't just scientists in lab coats and people in universities and, and laboratories and observatories and that kind of thing, but it's real people working in jobs that you might be familiar with. It's such a great resource as well for teachers because it not only gives you ideas and you know physical resources um, that you can use in the classroom, but, but also hints on how to make um, classrooms more inclusive. So how pedagogical practices can be changed and how you can adjust the way that you think about STEM and talk about STEM in the classroom to try and include everyone, and make an, everyone interested and feel connected to it. So that's really helpful. And then there's the Future You website, which I think might be aimed at the kind of primary age that's right yeah future dot com. we run that from the women in stem ambassador office and um yeah it's definitely sort of a complementary project so The Girls in STEM Toolkit is for high schools. Future U is for primary, around the age 8 to 12, but really that range is a little bit flexible because, as we know, all young people are different, have different sort of entry points. Um, Future U is so exciting. We've, We've created it with a lot of role models, a lot of different pathways into STEM careers. We've got a huge number of resources already and we're creating more. We've got teachers packs, careers guides, activities, posters, short films called the Pathfinder series, which highlights pathways into STEM careers. It's kind of a little mini documentary, if you will, that follows a particular woman who's gone into a STEM career. One example is a heavy vehicle mechanic, something that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily associate with women, but following real people, how they've got into their career, what they do, and how young people might connect to that career. And and think about their interests and how that might lead them into that job. So lots and lots of stuff on there. And the other strand that's interesting is imagining the future. So it's a a series of short fiction stories And this is really important because we know that role modeling doesn't just work with real people, it actually works with fiction as well and and storytelling. A lot of kids don't really identify themselves with STEM. So we're trying to interest people with a cross-curricular approach and get the the literacy work that's really important in schools and, and introduce STEM stories to that. So the Imagining the Future stories follow these fantastic, diverse, fictional protagonists as they try and blaze a path in the future (laughs) towards living, humans living on Callisto, the the second largest moon of Jupiter, solving problems using STEM. And we've created those stories and, and podcasts. So that young people can really engage and get excited by what the future could hold. It's
4: a really fun-looking website too. As a like an adult and a parent, I'm looking at it, going, "This is amazing! I can't wait to show my kids." Yeah, you know, and it's colouring in and everything. It's there's, there's word so search, there.
3: yeah, all sort of stuff. You know, when you're busy as a teacher and yeah. you just want to like go and do the word search there, and you know, I've got to cook to dinner or something. Great for parents as well, activities for school holidays and that kind of thing. But really, a website that. That kids can delve into, but but as teacher resources and, and guided structured classroom activities, also that we provide a lot of guidance for teachers there. But as you say, the look and feels really nice. I, I love it. We've got a fantastic producer for the program, Dan Pritchard, and has engaged a load of really great artists and filmmakers. I find a lot of government programs look a bit daggy, but this one I, I really quite like. And I can't claim credit for that. But the team who's uh, implemented it is, is fantastic. No, it's very
4: engaging. They've done well. So when we're looking at the teacher and school kind of side of things, is there anything coming up for 2023 that we should be aware of or
3: is it just keep checking back on the websites for all the resources? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got some more funding for this year from the government, which is fantastic. So we are busily creating more resources. What that looks like is a series of new short films we've currently got four short films and all the associated resources showing a variety of these stem role models but we want to create more and more so we've got a broad range of different jobs and activities and those different parts of stem the ste and the m And not just showing pathways that require university study, but also those like Louise, our heavy vehicle mechanic, who, you know, need vocational training pathways, which are very different focus and I think much more accessible for a lot of kids. So, you know, looking at those new resources, they'll be coming out this year. But if you want to keep up to date, we've just got a button on our website, futureaustralia.com, and you can just sign up for our newsletter so you can just keep on top of any new activities we're also going to do competitions as well with great prizes to win so for schools and for individuals as well so that you can write your own stories children can get engaged and create their own imaginings of the future using stem
4: wonderful well we'll link to all the websites in the show notes uh, so everyone can easily access that but it sounds amazing and as i said, Even if people just jump on and have a look, I'm sure they'll be inspired by one of the websites and some of the resources there, whether you're a parent or a teacher. So thank you so much for your time, Lisa.
3: It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: And that's all for this episode of IS Podcast. We hope the young people in your life take part in ISV's student poetry competition. We'll leave you with Australian Children Laureate, Gabrielle Wong to explain why.
5: My name's Gabrielle Wong and I am a children's author and illustrator. I'm also the Australian Children's Laureate for 2022 and 2023, which is somebody who travels all over Australia talking about the love of reading and the love of writing and the love of story. When I was at school, I was a really poor reader, which is probably surprising when you think that I'm a writer myself. But I was a very slow reader and the books that I loved were the when I was young in primary school, were the ones that had illustrations in them. And so that's what I do with my books because they're the books that I like to read when I was young. Probably poetry was one of the first things that I was introduced to as a very young child because my mum would read uh, Winnie the Pooh and and all those those little poems and I just fell in love with poetry then. I think that writing poetry is really good because It's almost like you're reaching into your heart and pulling out the words directly from your heart because you don't have to have many words with poetry. You don't really have to follow rules. I'm going to read you two poems, one rhymes and one doesn't rhyme, but they both have a rhythm. I have a little sailing boat. It is not a sturdy thing, but I'll put up the sail and follow the whale. I wonder what adventures she will bring. And the second one is, To hear her song, look into her eye. Where have you been? Where are you going? I would ask her. What truths, what mysteries of this world can you teach me? I think it's wonderful that there's a poetry competition for Victorian students. Entering will give you the experience. The other thing is that by entering, you are giving yourself permission to say, I'm a poet, you know, I'm a writer. Imagination is a muscle. And the more you use it, the stronger it grows. So please enter the competition. It's a fantastic opportunity to exercise your imaginations and your words and the power of story.
0: IOS Podcast is brought to you by Independence Schools Victoria. It's produced by Duncan McLean and presented by Natalie Mutafis, Michael Broadstock and me, Shane Green. Our podcast theme was composed and performed by Duncan And there are transcripts of our show with links to what we've discussed at podcast.iseducation.com.au. Please follow us wherever you get your favorite podcast. And while you're there, we'd love it if you could rate and review the show so more people can find us just like you.